Welcome to the Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 45 for patrons, jam-packed with news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Our top story, Twitter tells us that a deep fake conspiracy has been debunked by experts. So I don't know if you've heard about this. I'm sure you have because it was trending on Twitter. It was in your face. Although it took me a few digs to figure out what the story was even about. Apparently there was a, I looked at the video, it was less than one minute. It was Joe Biden on the South Lawn walking from a car to the helicopter. He strolls by some press that were there, doesn't really answer their questions and gets on the helicopter. And I guess, although I couldn't see anything weird about it, but it did follow another kind of similar thing where someone was showing me that his earlobe is sometimes attached and sometimes not attached. So the current Biden is not the original Biden who has a detached earlobe. I'm serious. Like, this is what's happening with the video analysis. So I figured it was something up. And the idea is that people said, oh, there was a green screen fail on that South Lawn video. And it's not really Biden. There's a fake Biden. He's not really president. So there are a lot of parts of that story that like the deep fake thing that you always said, like they were they're going to have to tell us what's fake and not fake. Right. Remember, like for years, you've said that. So that this is an example of that. So now you literally cannot believe your eyes. So everything you see is in the digital sphere. You're not going to your own protest. There's like nothing in the real world. And what you see may or may not be real. Remember the three rules of research, authority, authority, and authority. So the authorities will tell you what are, they're going to say validated, verified images. I'm going to say they're just authorized images. But that's not the kicker. Go ahead. Is that the video with the microphone where the microphone almost cartoonishly kind of appears, his hand kind of goes through it. I didn't take any more time than I absolutely had to, to get the story. I watched the whole video. I didn't see anything weird, but it was kind of like the ear thing. Like they showed me the ear and then the ear. And I'm like, I don't know, you know, whatever. So I don't know what the flaw was. Honestly, like that was not front and center. What the actual problem was. The story Twitter was pushing was that the idea of the deep fake is a Q conspiracy theory. A Q conspiracy theory. Yeah. But here's what I I found was interesting. So this guy, Alex Kaplan, who is uh, works for Media Matters for America. Is that a Soros thing or is that just Media Matters is one of the most the worst spreaders of propaganda. They defame people. They're they're Clinton associated. And David Brock, I think, started it. Okay. All right. Well, what this guy said, Alex Kaplan, it says, since Biden was inaugurated, QAnon supporters have pushed false claims of supposed proof that Biden hasn't really been president and his activities as president haven't been real. This may be the first time those claims have in some manner really spread elsewhere in the far right. So that this deep fake thing, this he is promoting, as we learned in our, or as people will learn in the next Rockfin video that we drop, he is promoting the idea, which I had never heard before, except for like, I didn't even know what to make of the previous video where someone was trying to explain that to me. Like, I didn't sink in until I read this guy saying, oh, Biden isn't real, some people say. 
you know, that's what he's planting that idea in my mind. Okay. But it got, so, so I thought that was interesting, but then it got like more fundamentally um, important. So, so Twitter drove me to this. So I clicked on it and like Twitter is done for a while now, instead of just having the top tweet, when you click, it has like an article and it's not something you can retweet. It's like, a, yeah. it's like a, um, it's like a state banner. Yeah. yeah. It's like a, a masthead almost like it's just up there. And then, so then it has this guy's tweets with all his baloney, but between his tweets. So then you go down into the Twitter feed and between his tweets is another like little banner that isn't a tweet at all that says QAnon is an umbrella term for a range of internet conspiracy theories with no basis in fact, as highlighted by news outlets across the world. Okay. I've seen that exact phrase going around in other avenues. Okay. So my problem with this is, first of all, that is absolutely opinion. That is editorializing. It's editorializing by Twitter and it's being promoted on Twitter's platform. So Twitter is now a content producing, editorializing publishing platform. No matter what they want to say about Section 230, this is not curating or not curating. This is not banning or allowing, which so I have always said, don't get rid of Section 230 because you want the little guys to have the license to allow people to post without them having to curate it or be responsible for it. We talked to Robert Barnes in our recent interview from Friday, which is in our feed propaganda report. And I said, don't repeal 230. Now, he said, from a lawyer's point of view, he said it just should not apply to something that could be a considered a monopoly in its niche. And that's not 100 percent. That's 75 percent. In those cases, the First Amendment should apply to how Twitter, whatever, um, deals with content. Now, I would would differ with him a little bit, although he agreed with this of mine. I'm just not sure I agree with that. his position just from a principled point of view, because I don't think there should be monopoly regulation so or anti-monopoly regulation, is that it's really because they have all they have been fostered and privileged by the government and they cooperate with the government. They are a quasi-government entity or they're a proxy government or they're they're the substitute government because the government itself has been removed from us. We can't assemble in person. So this is the public square because of their cooperation with the government. And they should therefore be beholden to the First Amendment, not because they're a monopoly, but because they're the government at this point for these purposes, for First Amendment purposes. So they should be held to the First Amendment standard. But to make matters worse, they will not respect the First Amendment. Yet they have morphed from a platform to an editorializing publisher. And I think that's important. I'm not. And and what Barnes says is the answer. And I agree with him. I always ask people, what's the solution? I still think the solution to these things is court cases. I think that that it really slows them down when you have legislation or adjudication or even the executive obeying the rules. When you hold their feet to the fire through the process, I think that's our best bet. So he does stuff like that. He thinks people should be aware of it. I, I'd be totally fine with Section 230 not applying if they're monopolies. But when it gets repealed it's or reformed, it's going to really, really matter what the details are. So I think it's something that's worth people paying some attention to. 
Yeah, so if it's 5,000 pages, the reform, then we want to get through Well, that's most the problem. It. Yeah, yeah, it's like, what, 27 l- words right now? And, and it'll be just like, like people who want to have a constitutional convention. I'm like, dude, it's going to be... If you redo the Constitution, it's not going to be like one, you know, a couple of pages. It's going to be 5,000 pages of bull. Don't do it. You know, just interpret it correctly. That's a great point about Twitter editorializing, because when you click on those, it's in the news section, I believe. It has usually an image, and then it's got that headline-like statement, and I always go to click on it. But then you can't click on it. You never really think about, well, who actually created that statement? Twitter must have created it, so therefore, I mean, there could be a legal argument there. This wasn't even at the top. This was in the feed. So somehow it's incepted in your mind. Yeah. And I thought, Alex, whatever. I had to look at it several times to oh, realize, to realize that, that he didn't tweet it. Yeah, because it was wedged yeah. between two of his tweets. That's interesting. And he was referring to Q. So it was just like when you look at YouTube and underneath it, it warns you that our content is anti-American or whatever. Yeah. Speaking of anti-American, we learned yesterday that Russia was trying to interfere in the 2020 election in favor of Trump, promoting the big lie. And here's the first main takeaway. It was a U.S. Intel report that was released that these claims came from. I haven't read the whole report. I'm still working on that. I'm, this is how CNN was presenting the report. So here's the first main takeaway for CNN. Trump acolytes pushing false claims of voter fraud and his GOP supporters in the states now passing voter suppression laws share the same goal as Moscow. The degeneration, uh, degeneration, D-E-N-I-G, how do you say that word? Denigration. Thank you. The denigration of the U.S. democratic system. So Trump, his supporters, anybody... Looking at voter fraud, anybody passing voters, quote, suppression laws, they have the same goals as Russia. That's to tear apart the U.S. democratic system. And so the the report, according to CNN, well, actually, I, I wanted to I wanted to read this two sentences to you. This is an article that is analyzing a Intel report. This is not an opinion piece. Listen to this paragraph. This well, is in The New York Times. This is CNN. This is their analysis of the U.S. Intel report that Russia was trying to interfere in favor of Trump. They say the readiness of former president's men to use Russian misinformation in 2020 while denying collusion in 2016 was but one prong of the assault of the on the integrity of the U.S. elections. After all, it came as Trump was challenging democratic customs that formed the bedrock of American freedoms. That that is an opinion. What customs injected. was Trump challenging? What was he challenging? Or what customs? They don't say what customs. They they just kind of blanket. He's tearing down democratic customs. So I want to know what customs are the bedrock of our freedom. I think election integrity. I think the voter but suppression is that a custom? thing. That's a law. That's what they're associating this Russia thing with. They're trying to tie it to, quote, the big lie about election fraud, and they're trying to tie it to anybody. Like in Georgia, they're trying to pass this legislation. They're trying to hammer hard on if you do anything that we don't like, you're either racist, QAnon, or Russian, or all of the above. And 
They go on to talk about, first of all, they then turn to defend China and say Trump was wrong. China didn't affect the 2020 election at all. So, ha, it was Russia. And this is an interesting thing. We did that Rockfin video, which is going to be up later in the week. And it was about the psychological operations and the use of narrative to manipulate the public and psyops. Here's a statement from the report. A key element of Moscow's strategy this election cycle was its use of people linked to Russian intelligence to launder influence narratives, including misleading uh, unsubstantiated allegations against President Biden through U.S. media organizations, U.S. officials, prominent U.S. individuals, and some of whom were close to the former president. That is the type of campaign that's described by these Americans that are talking about how to conduct psychological warfare using narratives. And it's also the exact same thing that the British did to get us into World War I. There's no details, though, in that report no. that you came upon, no. except for the Hunter's laptop, right? Yeah, they went on to say that the primary effort in 2020 from Russia was a narrative around the Biden family and his corruption with Ukraine and that there's been no evidence of criminal activity by Biden nor his son, Hunter. So they free Hunter as well. Oh, I thought the allegation was that Russia was responsible for the Biden for yes. Hunter's laptop. Yes, being they, discovered. they they imply that the information about Hunter Biden's laptop is disinformation that was provided by Russia. They act like that's been confirmed and they don't even address oh. the content and whether it's true or not. Right. Yeah. Well, that is goes back to the leaked emails of Hillary where Putin said, he, I don't even think they did it. But he said, even if we did do it, it was true. Don't you want to know? Yeah. Yeah. Don't you want to know? Now, I think Hunter's laptop is there with ambiguous veracity so that it feeds the cue thing that there are pedophiles in the Democratic Party and we right. need to have a coup. Yeah, absolutely. What they're. CNN article does not mention is they don't mention that Iran was also found to have conducted a covert influence campaign that was intended to undercut Trump's reelection prospects. And oh, so who said that? Where did you find that, the, Fox? This is from the report. No, this is a different article. This is from, I think, Reuters. And they pulled that quote from the report. Hmm. Uh, well, I did. I did want to, since we're reading quotes, let me read you a National Review quote about the the election and the response to the election in the form of the first bill coming out of the House, H.R. 1, <laughs> that uh, some people have. I, I've looked at it a while back. The only thing I liked about it and did not hate about it was that it did talk about paper ballots that could be audited. And to me, that's almost all you need. Like, if you could have that and genuinely vote. Now, I do think that it makes no sense not to have IDs. Like, it is possible in California to vote multiple times, even as a registered voter, because there's no IDs and you can you yeah. don't have to vote in your own place. Like, you have to have one of those two things. A list at your place that you check off. So the same name cannot vote twice, but you can't have you can go anywhere because then you could go to a bunch of different places. So you have to have something to define who's voting. 
verify that. Anyway, National Review says it would over, this H.R. 1 would override hundreds of state laws governing the orderly conduct of elections, federalized control of voting and elections to a degree without precedent in American history, and two centuries of state power to draw congressional districts, turn the Federal Elections Commission into a partisan weapon and massively burden political speech against the government while offering government handouts to congressional campaigns and campus activists. Merely to describe the bill is to damn it. <laughs> That's the editors of National Review. <laughs> but I'll tell you what this is the thing that they want to override or do away with the filibuster for. This is the thing that Democrats say we don't need is a really sweeping thing. We don't need Republican buy in, which is a favor to the Republicans because they probably want this nonsense because they're in it together. And if they don't have to vote for it, if nobody has to fall on the sword and the Democrats can ram it through, it'll be like Obamacare. Like uh, people will still benefit from their governments getting bigger. They won't have the responsibility at the state level. But I will say that all this we've been wondering or I've been wondering since November 20th, why did they make this election fraud? However much was there so obvious. It's always there. They always just poo poo it. Why is it getting so much airtime. And I have thought for years now that they were after federalizing the election and other election reforms. And that is what all this noise has resulted in. And who's bringing it? The Democrats. So we're making the noise. The Democrats are bringing the solution. The devil is in the details. That's going to be true for Section 230. And it's true for election reform. Yeah. Absolutely. So read the five million page bill when it comes out, if we want to get the details of it. (laughs) So let's go to some COVID stuff, because there's a lot coming out about the vaccine. And I actually have a uh, I want to clarify, I guess I'm not going to correct the record, but or if if I misspoke. So lately, I don't know if you noticed this, I'm reading this thing called about biowarfare from Jim Keith. And everything I ever read about biowarfare confuses me because they always talk about viral agents. And I don't believe that viral agents or infectious or contagious or whatever you want to call it. I don't believe in germ theory. Germ theory could be easily proven, and it hasn't been. It's been around for over 100 years. It's time to dismiss it. It could be proven if it were true. It cannot be proven, and I'm saying it's that is tantamount to disproving it. Yet, when I read this stuff, they have patents on what they call viruses. It's They've been around for decades. And I guess in my discussions of this, I I have confused some members of the audience and a good friend and old tweep of ours, AJ, said, what, you believe in germ theory now? I don't believe in germ theory, but he said, well, you've described viruses like the virologists describe it. And what a virus is, like they can look at it under a microscope. It is like a fragmentary genetic material. And but him challenging me made me think it through a little bit. So what I said yesterday or the day before, whatever, was that maybe the viruses like a retrovirus is really what this gene transduction stuff is, this gene therapy that's in the vaccines, so-called vaccines. And I realized that really is exclusively the retrovirus story, which is the story they use for HOV, HIV, AIDS connection that they can they can go in and change your genetic structure inside the cell. And I realized that that was a fairly new thing. 
thing for them to say. And I don't think it's outside of the realm of possibility that that exact thing is man-made. People have said HIV might be man-made and that what it is, is this gene transduction technology. So I'm still trying to figure it out, but there, there's definitely fragmentary stuff. People think maybe they're exosomes, stuff that's expelled by the cell when, when there needs to be a cleanup operation. It is unclear what that material that people call a virus is. But I would add that. Oh, and I want to thank Sandra for sending me a book, The Contagion Myth by Cowan and Morell, which I just got yesterday. So I'm going to I'm dying to dig into that because it's the contagious element, the infectious. It's I don't know what you would call an infection. Maybe it doesn't have to be contagious to be an infection, but the contagion is the problem. And all of this is the question I have. And as I reflected on this bio warfare stuff, when they transmit it, they don't get a couple of people in a room, get them sick and send them out to the world. In not one example I've read, is that how they spread it? They put it in the water. They spray it in the air. They'll spray it off of boats, put it out of the exhaust of a vehicle. But what they do is they spread it around to a population and the population gets sick. I've never seen an element of these uh, firsthand documented accounts where it was a person to person transmission was the vector that they used. So I'm going to keep digging in. I love it when people challenge me, ask me to clarify, help me think these things through. But it is not only the contagion part of it, but the idea that asymptomatic people can uh, spread it around, that that is the essence of all of these policies that we have. Because if you didn't, if you were sick, you would just stay home. You could, they could tell if you're sick. And we got a couple of interesting uh, headlines people posted for us on the press pool at thepropreport.com, and to, including Tommaso, who said he watches uh, the New York Times Daily Newsletter, and they cite that a an article called Leonhart Leonhart's article. He thinks it's a guy who went to school with Robert Barnes. That. Leonhardt says that people on the right deny asymptomatic viral spreading, but that it has absolutely been proved. It says it's a major source of transmission. So I went to the New York Times article that Tommaso pointed to, and I went to find the article that said that. And, they, and then it says there was a South Korean study that didn't say that transmission was proven. What it said was that viral load was observed in symptomatic and asymptomatic people. Viral shedding, which does not at all prove contagion at all. It just means they stick it up your nose and they find some of the virus. Then I further went to the South Korean story, the actual study that was published in the, maybe it was JAMA. I can't, it was something like that. Uh, uh, you know, a legitimate medical journal or whatever, a reputed, well-reputed medical journal. And it said that what they did, what they their their threshold for comparing symptomatic to a, an asymptomatic people for viral quote load was a PCR test <laughs> of forty cycles, of forty uh, cycles, of forty so, cycles, forty. So I went back and tried to find that New York Times article that you brought saying that that was too high and yeah. that it just results in a ridiculous amount of false positives. Yeah. So I found Yale University rebutting that New York Times article of yours, but it wasn't really a very good rebuttal. 
because it said 40 cycles and above or above 40 cycles around that is, let me see, of little value. Yeah. Of little value. So here we were. I, I When you try to figure out the actual sources, why did I waste my time, spend my time trying to figure that? Because on its face, I knew that that claim could not be true, that asymptomatic spread is a major source of transmission. I knew that they did not prove that. And they tried. Yeah. And they claim that they did, but they didn't. And I just thought it was interesting. And I, I don't know if I sent it to you or I definitely put it in the show notes down here. The Yale study that addresses the New York Times article that you brought us. You might find it interesting to dig it, a little deeper, at least so put it in the show notes. That study debunked, quote, debunked the New York Times PCR stuff by saying that 40 cycles doesn't really do anything. It The, the Yale study... Was it looked comprehensive to me? It had a lot of you know brackets and ranges and all that kind of stuff. But I hadn't really, I had never gone back and read. I just listened to what you said about the New York Times article, yeah. so I didn't have in my mind like every detail of how the New York Times article was laid out. It didn't look. It looked to me like Yale was saying the cycle rate is critical. Yeah, yeah. But they think they might have been quibbling about the thresholds. Yeah, see, I've seen a lot of that talking about the PCR test now. The art, the headline or the overview will make it seem as though it's going to be in favor of the PCR test and support it. But then when you read the details, it's like the opposite of what the headline is, is, is presenting to the public. Yeah, it is. It, 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 it's, it doesn't debunk the PCR thing. It just puts up thresholds that, that, that make the results that we're told interpreted in a different light. Yes, I see. But that's look at all. It, you know, it took me half an hour <laughs> to confirm what I knew already knew. Yeah. So anyway, but it is the gold standard, is it not? It's the gold standard. Yes, it is. It is the gold standard. I found that out recently because I maybe I jinxed it when I said it the other day about Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech's best player in basketball. He won ACC Player of the Year. He's been ruled out of their first NCAA tournament game because of COVID complications. They don't even say that he tests positive. It's still unclear. Maybe it was across the street from somebody that maybe tested positive. But what happened is Tech was following all the protocols. And then after they won the ACC tournament, they were going to Indianapolis. One player traveled separately with another group of people to Indianapolis. That's the one guy who ended up testing positive and therefore is ruled out. I tried to go to the NCAA rules to see what the protocols were, and I found that they have been changing the protocols to meet certain teams' demands to allow them to play, and it's kind of vague and, and fluid the way that they, they are applying the rules and making them up. He's asymptomatic, this player is. So that speaks to what you're saying there. And there is a lot of confusion about if they win the first game, can he play the next? There's just nobody really knows what's going on. And there's another player, another team's best player is out. We're going to continue to see this. And one thing that this is affecting a lot is the betting markets, which I find this interesting. There was one guy who bet like $700 that Tech would win the ACC tournament. They did. He won $17,000 off of that. Tech got to the championship because the number one seed had to forfeit in the semifinals. So a forfeit 
aided this guy winning $17,000. We're going to see probably similar things going on with players having to sit out during this tournament because of COVID that uses a PCR test, which they call when in the NCAA the gold standard for detecting the virus, which we know is not true. I guess they're going to have to weigh in on their expectation of a scratch when they place their bets, because unlike in a horse race where you just don't place your bet, this has a cascade effect to later games in your bracket. Absolutely. It completely transforms it. Well, before we get to our last story of the free 30, which is what I consider to be a shocking new parallel being drawn between the, quote, pandemic and war. We'll talk about that. And in the patron 15, Operation Varsity Blues does Hollywood. (laughs) And what is the fundamental flaw in the charges against the so-called rebels who allegedly attacked Capitol Police Officer Sicknick. I'm going to tell you, it is a flaw in criminal charging across the board. It's up there with plea bargains for something that bums me out and turns me off. And of course, before we get to that, a big thanks to our sponsor of today's show, True Hemp Science. So you've been following my journey with CBD products, which for me... I'm a traditional gal. I like to have cocktails, whatever. I don't want to become habituated to anything. So I was a little worried that CBD like got you high or made you tired or spaced out or whatever. So it does none of those things. I've been start. I found the one I like, which is there's like a bunch of different oils, different numbers. I like number 32 and it actually tastes good. Although you have to keep it in the fridge and I have 15 drops after dinner. I sleep like a rock. I wake up in a great mood. There are, I don't, I don't know what the studies are or if they're just uh, observations or what, but it does affect your like stress hormones and stuff. So that could be why you feel better. Anyway. That's what I've heard anyway. So I gave some of a different number to a friend of mine because she, I know she likes CBD and I'm onto the 32, which is my keeper. And she loved it. So she came back to me. She's like, what, where did you get that? It is the best CBD I've ever used it. I noticed results immediately. It took, uh, I take it because, or she says she takes it because it makes her feel less anxious and more focused. And she said it didn't taste bad. A lot of them taste bad. So she is now a fan and customer of True Hemp Science. And I, I, encourage people to give it a shot. If you're already a CBD user, definitely try True Hemp Science. But if you're not, try some of their products. Like You would be surprised what they say about it. It is, it is for reals. So let them know that you heard about them here. Go to truehempscience.com slash prop report and use the code prop code for a little goodie. We love their skin products too. They have, they're really coming out with new things. I love their brownies and their cookies, but I can't eat those every night because I'm on a low carb (laughs) diet. So, uh, so please support us by supporting our sponsors and also by supporting us. So now would be the day to join patreon.com slash propaganda report and look at the tiers, the different levels of membership, because tomorrow is Friday. That's the VIP DPP. 
So that's for friends of the show and patron saints. I might have said it was for patrons of the truth yesterday, but it's for friends of the show and patron saints. So it's for the top two tiers. And that we really just put the tiers in to keep these live streams, these interactive things smaller. If they get too big, we can't really interact a lot. So Binkley and I are on the screen having our cocktails, having some fun. It's a couple of hours and people logged into YouTube and who have the link can chat in the edges. And it is really fun. I mean, we get shout outs to the DPP. People love it. It's such a great way to forget. We try not to talk too much about the news. You can ask us personal questions. We or like individual. We always put like some of the comments up on the screen, but it's a really interactive, fun thing. So if you want to join the VIP DPP tomorrow, become a patron of the, no, patron saint or friend of the show at patreon.com slash propaganda report. And if you do that, although I'm sure you'd like to hear about our sponsors, their products and the things that we offer, you will actually not hear any of this promo stuff. You will get 45 minutes of commercial-free drive time news blast every single day. So you got that going for you. (laughs) So without further ado, on to the last story of the free 30. All right. Here's an interesting one here. A Norwegian journalist named Lynn Wick said in a recent article for TV2 that she would love to die from the AstraZeneca vaccine if it meant that other people in Europe were not discouraged from taking it. Now, this is in the wake of the vaccine being temporarily pulled from numerous markets in Europe and Spain and and Portugal and stuff like that. She went on to say that some must be sacrificed in the war against Corona. That's the way it is in all wars. This time, it may well be me. People get blood clots and die of cerebral hemorrhages every year. But even if it turns (laughs) out... Even if it turns out that the AstraZeneca vaccine has caused blood clots or cerebral hemorrhaging, I have no doubt if I get the offer, I will take it anyway. Because sorry to say it so bluntly, someone has to sacrifice in order for the rest of us to be safe. Did did she mention, does it mention how old she is? She looks to be in her 40s to me. So you don't think she's an 85-year-old on blood thinners? Definitely not an 85-year-old or or a really good-looking 85-year-old on blood thinners. <laughs> I would just suggest that she, if she wants to save the world, she research the efficacy, the true, correctly measured efficacy of those vaccines compared with the outcome in a COVID world of proper treatment, better treatment, good protocols, rather than experimental, unsound, or bad protocols that we witnessed in some places over the past year and see which will be the better outcome for society. But that would be like asking soldiers to research the countries involved in the war that they're being asked (laughs) to go sent to to decide if they're on the right side or not. Yes. And we actually don't want them doing that. Therefore, we draft them sometimes. If that scrutiny would come up lacking and in fact, 
the war was not a just one, which is probably the only time you would need a draft as if the war was not a just one, a just war being I need to defend my country and my homestead against invasion because I live here and it's mine and my family's here. Like you don't need to draft people because the war comes to you when you're drafting people for foreign lands and it doesn't stand up to scrutiny. You're telling them they're going to die either in that foreign land fighting for their lives or in some prison here or shot in the back by some guy who wants you to charge out of the trenches and won't tolerate cowardice or hesitance. (laughs) War hesitance. War war hesitance. (laughs) So trench warfare hesitance. So there, but this, this is a sign of yet another war analogy or war parallel. So she's a patriot for the war. My, my, my vaccine, right or wrong. My, you know, my, my whatever. So, but there have been many, and I wonder if people want to chime in. I, I feel like there's, there, you, you're being asked to sacrifice. If you do your hero, you're paralyzed with fear. There's an, in, it's an international problem that needs this kind of intercontinental solution, world solution, death, yeah. a lot of death results. It calls the population. There are drafts. It co- costs a lot of money. It reduces productivity. You have to go with less. What else? They, they're asking people to look the other way and to just roll their arms up and take the jab despite all of the stories we're seeing about complications and side effects and the fact that it's an experimental vaccine. They're making it seem as though the real problem is the hesitancy and not the fact that this has not been played out. We really don't know what's going to happen with this vaccine. Didn't they say that the EU is now allowing the AZ thing? Yeah, they said that a European regulator, he said the AstraZeneca vaccine is safe and effective, but then he had a caveat that the link to rare blood clots cannot be ruled out. So it's safe and effective. Well, it says rare. I mean, that's the thing. They're just saying rare, but I want to compare that. You have Pfizer with like 44,000 people in the study, whether they took the placebo or the vaccine, nobody died. And with Moderna, 30,000 people in the study, whether they took the placebo or the vaccine, only one person died. So, so that's of both of those together, like 80,000 or over 70,000 people, regardless of whether they took the vaccine or not, one person died. I'd like to see if that cohort is a subset of the population of the people who are actually getting it in the real world, you would have to expand that study to to test the real world efficacy. Anyway, I don't expect any of that. They're actually messing up the study by giving people the vaccine who would be in the control yeah. group. Here's what I wonder. If this vaccine actually was something horrible or ended up being something horrible, would they tell us no, not for 30 years they wouldn't. They wouldn't say, we were wrong. Well, they, we- they could tell you in one year for all we know, but they just need to get people to get those jabs. And actually, I was watching um, Allison McDowell, who I'm looking forward to talking to, speaking to a guy, I think his name is Shai Don in Israel, saying that they told everybody you only need one shot, like that was something that they were looking forward to. But then it ended up that the vaccine required two shots. He says now... That more than half the people are on their way to being vaccinated. It's starting to come out that you're going to need a booster in six months. Yeah. 
So, I mean, I would look forward to that here. Like, I think that that is just a, um, a very thinly veiled warning. And that's that's a problem. Like, they're not going to tell you that kind of thing. And who the heck knows what the longer term implications of this are. But I did have a couple of shout outs to new patrons. Our new patron, St. Damon, just in time for the VIP DPP. So don't forget, I awesome. sent you the link. You can go into Patreon and click on the post it will only open for you if you're in the right tier. So if it doesn't open and you think it should open, just message me right there on Patreon. I'll check it before the show to make sure anybody who thinks they should be there should be there. I'll send you a link directly if you need it. That's Damon. James, thank you very much for joining the gang. James, we look forward to chatting with you on Patreon. And I have a pretty awesome shout out. James J, another JJ says that he wants to shout out Monica's mom, along with fake Monica's mom, Monica's impersonation of her mom, which always <laughs> brightens my mood. You know what happened when I told my mom, I asked her about if she minds if I impersonate her. What happened? What do you mean? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> what? Like you talk like me? I don't even hear it. <laughs> I don't hear it. But that. Oh, and my favorite, what everybody loved. She was a Twitter star for a while in 2012. Oh, really? Yes, because we used to watch the Republican debates together. And I would just literally sit there and tweet like what my mom is saying. <laughs> and she would say so. Oh, there's my sweetie. There's Ron Paul. He's such a cutie. Just <laughs> FF to the Ron Paul parts. Just FF. It was just great. She loved Ron That's Paul. Awesome. Like You have to be like 90 to call Ron Paul your cutie. <laughs> <laughs> you know? like, he he so, kills it with that demographic. I am, he really does. I'm gonna ha and the young the youngs like him too. They, they were they were burning their dollar bills for him right there. Coeds yeah, yeah. burning burning dollar bills by the thousands. So those are the days, huh? Where we had hope, <laughs> hope for change. Anyway, I'm gonna send this episode to my mom. She'll love it. She'll be like, I still don't get it. Are you supposed <laughs> to be talking like me? And now on to the patron fifteen. All right. You guys can find your Drive Time News Blast every weekday afternoon at thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform with the Propaganda Report podcast feed. If you want access to that extra content Monica was telling you about, go to patreon.com slash propaganda report and become a patron. We will talk to you all on the Patron 15 or tomorrow. Have a fantastic rest of your day.